0: For you, in Psalms uh, 119, well-known, and verse 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I promise it once and I promise it again. I will Mark, can you also stand? Oh, Because um, uh, <laughs> um, we we only got to do it a bit equally, but we don't always hear you know, what the going on things thing is why. So I think that we did it differently. But um, somebody may have been moving to Wales and had been known beforehand or had communication to that from the front. So I just want to S- Stephen, if that has been with us for at least not long enough. So, hearing that you're moving away, this is your last Sunday, Guys, not j- 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 around and just put your hands on them. And Holy Spirit, we just pray that God will continue to bless you and guide you as you make this move. That you will find deep roots and close friends, followers of Jesus, that will come alongside you, support you, love you, and guide you. We pray that this will be smooth. As you make this transition and that, that God will place you in a community that will love. I don't think I was um, advertising the new sheet. I will not be speaking this morning on the relationship that Again, that communication bit had broken down. I'd always known that this week, usually during the summer break, kind of we'll take a break and we'll preach and share on different things. And um, I was sure I knew what God wanted me to speak on, but as it got closer and closer and I came back from my holiday, I I became unsettled as to what share this morning, when it got to Wednesday and Thursday, I started to get a little bit more um, concerned, so spending some time with the Lord Thursday morning, I was greatly encouraged and reminded of what Stan brought to us last week, last week we had two messages, I love the way that David brought on the humility of God, and and within that sphere of relationships that we've been... Looking at David said that humility towards one another and towards God is the key for making relationship and community work. Amen. And then Stan came and he brought us a gospel message And and it really encouraged me. And he got so much in such a short amount of time. The gospel is one that people need to hear. One that we as Christians need to hear also have the strip of Light, how we do need to hear and read the key messages, messages of forgiveness, loving others, free from sin. Many of us as long-standing Christians know them. And if we're not careful as teachers of the world, we can always be looking for something new, something different, thinking that people know this. But we have been encouraged to see how some of these well-known Subjects, well-trodden things have resonated in our hearts because we need to hear them time and time again because over time we begin to think. We we, we know them. We need, I know all about forgiveness. We recite them in our mind and often, over time, just like Chinese whispers, we reshape them, taking the bits we remember, the bits that resonated, the parts that we liked, And we shape them around that. Hearing these well-trodden messages again and again is important. Because a story always gets better in the retelling. And when we retake from memory, how often do we add, oh, how I spoke to hundreds, to thousands, to tens of thousands. Oh, how my mother enjoyed it. Oh, how the room enjoyed it. Oh, how anybody who listened enjoyed it. It grows. This is one of the reasons God has given us his word. The canon, which means the measuring stick. This book, the canon of scripture, is what we measure all other writings from. Come on, man. It's become unpopular to say that in this time. I read a statistic, yes, on holiday, that more and more people now are simply seeing it as a good book. With good intentions and good morals. Here, this is our measuring stick. We use the word of God, the word of God to measure all else from. And when you think of it, and when most of it has not changed over centuries, when it's been wrestled by a group of scholars and individuals, I am very careful when a new translation comes out by one person in his room. This book has been looked at time and time and time again, and we use it. When we no longer preach on His word, or when we only get the parts we like, or even when we get fooled into believing we need to find new revelation, new insights, new theology, we run the risk of falling into error. No more so than with the, the gospel. It is a message for those who do not know Christ, but it is also a message for those who do. <coughs> Thank you, Sam, for bringing God's gospel message to us last week. Sounds words, cause, to reflect on the gospel of Jesus Christ and our responsibility to know it, to carry it, to live it, and to share it with others. So, the title for what will be uploaded onto the internet for this morning is The Gospel, Our Responsibility. The Gospel, Our Responsibility. So, what is the Gospel? Sometimes we can make this simple question so complex. I've heard it said and I've said it myself that the gospel is not a message. It's a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And we say, Amen. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean to say the gospel is Jesus Christ? The first mention of the gospel in the New Testament is the G- it, it is from Jesus himself preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So if the gospel is Jesus, what does that mean? I've heard people tell me the gospel is many things. It's our activity to spread the word. It's our response to poverty. It's our response to the poor. It's our response to injustice. But what does that mean? Isn't all of these fruit of the gospels, isn't all of that the fruit that the gospel should produce? So I say it again. What is the gospel? What is it? Paul picks this up in Scripture just read back. The book of Romans considered Paul's greatest work written to a church he did not plant and he had not been to. <clears throat> that passage is the sum of all that the gospel is and the whole message of Romans. So I ask again lost and need to be saved. And the only way we can be saved is through Jesus Christ. Recognising our need for him as one who will save. That's what Stan shared last week. We need saving. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He saved us. And the message is we need saving. From whom? From who, who do we need saving from? We need saving from ourselves. Because of what? Because of sin. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it is as simple as that. And oh, that we were to preach it more often. We need saving because we have sinned. Yes. Because without Christ, we're sinners. And it's saving that we are needing. Anything else is produce, is fruits from living the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not that you need saving from death, although that may be true. It's not that you need to be saved from your depression, although that will be freedom to many, I know. It isn't that you must be free from an unhappy age. It isn't any of these things. The gospel is come to Jesus so you can be saved from your sin. Be reconciled to God, receive the gift of eternal life and live with him in his kingdom. R.T. Kendall asked this question at the conference I had. Imagine you there and Jesus says to you, why should I let you in to my heaven?" and metaphorically he got a sort of right the answer why should I let you in to my heaven and at the end he, he metaphorically read a few answers and we put all sorts of things before that all sorts of reasons I've tried my best I've done what is good I've been to church every week I love God's word all of those he says are not why not you You may be a follower of Jesus all your life and never be debt free. Or never be free from depression. Or always live in a challenging marriage. But as a follower of Jesus, you will be seen eternal life and live with him in heaven. The reason God should let you into his heaven is because Jesus died for you and He is the answer. He is the reconciler. He, he answers the justice question that so many of us seek and allow us to come and live in him for eternity. <clears throat> the problem is when we make the gospel something else, when we make following Jesus about those other things, we preach a false gospel. Galatians 1, 6 and 9. I'm amazed. The gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, he is to be accursed. And do you know what? We can use Scripture to justify and to seek release and change for all of those things, freedom from death. And we mustn't present it as the gospel. When we do, we preach a false gospel. Come to Christ and your problems will be sorted out. Come to Christ and you'll live in peace. Come to Christ and have an army. Come to Christ and you'll see freedom. But the freedom that we focus on isn't the freedom that God gives us. When we make it about these things, it's a false gospel. And we need to be careful not to call it this. We entice people on these grounds and then we need to work ever so hard to keep them. It is my conviction that for the seed of the gospel to settle in people's hearts and not be taken by crones or choked by vines, then there needs to be a realisation that we need Jesus. Not to make my marriage better, not to free him from debt, not to not so my crimes can be overlooked. Not so I can stay in this country. Not so I won't feel depressed. Not because, not because, not because. But because without Christ, I am a sinner who needs saving. And without Jesus in my life, I will go to hell. Does that make you cringe? books, we can focus on, and we do. At worst, they tell me I just don't want to hear it. And that is difficult. Because I want to be like, don't, when we change what the gospel means. When we turn it into something else, in fact, it's just what the world does. When truth becomes unpopular, and we don't like it, we just shift what truth is. So I'm still right. That's how we cannot be ashamed of the gospel, and yet call it something else. We call it something else. No, no, no. If this is the gospel, then I'm not ashamed of that. But scripture tells us that the gospel of Jesus Christ there, because we need saving. We need saving from our sin. So we'll, I, I'll put it more palatably, so we will live with Him forever in heaven. But when we look to the Bible and what it says about this, the Bible will read that the good news of Jesus Christ is that we all And recognize who he is, and he will give you eternal life. Amen. My question to you is how can we become ashamed of the gospel? I became aware of a conversation that two of our own youth had when something like this, then I haven't started or I haven't gone into it, but, but Freddie said to Ginger, Everyone goes to heaven. And Ginger said, Everyone. So you mean Hitler has gone to heaven? Freddie Stockton thought, well, no, not Hitler. Only good people go to heaven. Don't know what else went on, how that conversation involved will grow. But I'd have loved to have asked who is good. And who decides what good looks like. And you see, while we measure what is good to these things against these standards, you're right. All who are good come to heaven. False gospel. Call it for what it is. A false gospel. What is good, whatever my father says is good. Do you know what good looks like? A repentant, contrite heart that is seeking to walk and follow in Jesus' footsteps. That doesn't mean we don't sin. There are sins that lead to death and there are sins that don't lead to death. Somewhere in 1 John. Have a read. But good looks like a repentant heart that is seeking to live as Jesus lived. That's the measurement of good. Good in the context of eternity is not someone who tries to eradicate poverty. As good as that is, good is not someone who clothes the naked. Good is not someone who feeds the hungry. All of those are in the Bible. Good in the context of eternity is someone who does these things. They recognize the above. They recognize they need Jesus. And they clothe, and they feed, and they respond to injustice. Those actions come from our good heart that looks like Jesus. Because without that, we're just another charity. We're just another social group, and they're all it. And some of them are doing better than us. Some of them are doing Not that we don't do those things, please don't hear that. But when we do them, talk about them. We mustn't do that; it's of the gospel. Or even worse, still call it the gospel. When we do, we're in trouble. We can do good to a thousand people and not share the gospel. We are so concerned not to so them away, not to put them off. However, in doing so, we have created something similar. Similar to the charity down the road. Similar to, to any other religion. We've worked so hard to be positive and to be accepted. When I grew up, it was all about seeker friendly service. I don't know what one right because, bless God, I grew up in a church that didn't do them. But in our want and desire to reach out, we've just served up another consumerist view. Come to us more than the person who's next. We've tried that for decades maybe actually we should come back and talk about what the true gospel looks like. We have time to fill our messages with wonders and works and blessings, free from hassles and the straws of life. Anyone can fill a room with a message like that. The problem is as quickly as it gets filled, it will empty. Let's look at what Paul tells us. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me thirty-nine lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, once I spent a whole night of the day of drifting at sea. I have travelled on many long journeys, I have faced danger from rivers from rock. rock, rock. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the, the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, the deserts and the seas. I have faced danger. I'm to be believers, but I'm not. I've worked hard and long and endured many sleepless nights. I've been and thirsty and I've often gone out for food. I've shivered in the cold bags, you know, clothing to keep me warm. Welcome to Christianity. Or <laughs> well, when one looks down at the Church of God in the UK, one would have to say that, that approach, that the approach just to make it palatable, the approach to How about we talk in the right way with the right words understanding the culture that we live in the need for Jesus as Savior. We may just be surprised by what God will do. So, I don't know why I put number one, but number one is our responsibility to know what the gospel is and make the main thing, the main thing. Anything else is a false gospel and a false truth. So that is what the gospel is. So what is our responsibility when we understand what the gospel is, who the gospel is, and our new is, it? can only cause us to live and walk a certain way. When we understand that Jesus saved me from eternal hell, that Jesus saved me from eternal judgment, that Jesus saved me from eternal pain, when we realise just how big and incredible that is, then the good news causes me to live and about how differently. We make it about walking. this, because the next realisation is we couldn't pay it. The cost of being saved, we couldn't possibly pay. It's not about how many people we do good to. It's not enough. It doesn't matter how hard we work and try, it isn't enough. We couldn't meet the debt. Not in a thousand years, not ten thousand years of trying the wages that we would have built up, would still falling short of what was needed. When we remember this and live like it, then to follow Jesus does not become a rule. Even the commands that not appear up in the light of eternity. It's a wonderful and incredible gift. And Lord, is it not the least I can do? I owe you so much. How do you want me to live? Ephesians 5, 1 to 20. Please just bear with me a second. Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life that we love, follow the example. Loveless and offered himself as a sacrifice for us and pleasing the world as God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let the be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person can inherit the kingdom of Christ with God. For a greedy person is an idolatry. Do not be fooled by those who try to excuse the sins the anger of God will fall on those who you. And it goes on and it goes on. So be careful how you live. Do not look like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these our own the days. Don't act thoughtlessly understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do not be drunk as wine, because that will ruin your life. And a good, good father. Those things are yes and amen. I'm, I love my kids dearly. They that, that teach me the closest I get to do unconditional love. And I love them. And nothing can make me love them any more. And nothing can make me love them any less. But I'm not always pleased with them. I see how they behave towards one another and I am disappointed. Even more so when I see death you, me. But the point is that God may love you, but he doesn't mean he's always pleased with what we do. We have a responsibility to rightly represent the image of Christ here on earth. That means that we are tough on unrepentant sin amongst those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. You no, know, listen. There is a world of difference. I am sinning. Help me to be free from my sin. And a narrative that says, I am sinning, but it doesn't matter. It matters. Because when sin starts to trip over from the every now and again fall, every now and again judgment, every now and again lust, and when it starts to take a hold of us, when it has dominion over us, then we run the risk of losing our faith, of losing our salvation in Christ. Sin is not meant to have dominion over the Christian. Yes, we trip him forward. But don't get me wrong here. I'm struggling with sin, can you help me? The doors are wide open. I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm sinning, Then we need to help you. Stop sinning. This stuff matters. You do not realise And when we realise it's this big and don't make it small, we can actually rightly say, Lord, help us. Because it's God's Holy Spirit that does the convicting. It's God's Holy Spirit that will convict people of their sin. Now that does not give us the right to say anything we like. to not think about the message and the package. So the first one of my three-point sermon this morning was, what is the gospel? The second point that we've just gone through is our responsibility. The last point is our presentation. And I can't use much of my notes. Because I sat down and I started to undo in this last point everything that I've just said. You look at the Bible. If you look at how Jesus did. For those people who claimed to know him. He was tough on them at sin. He was uncompromising. He challenged them. The first time in the Gospel is John the Baptist. Who has warned you of the wrath of God to come? more. In the verses that we just read now why do we need to be a Christian? For the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Christ was hard on the people. He was inside the church. Yes, it looked different outside of the church. I believe that one of the reasons the church ha- ha- has lost its position let me back up. This message I believe this is because God's church in the UK missed the changing wind in the UK and kept silent in God's voice. And kept silent in God's voice, as expressed through his church, was needed. Lord Johnson said this: the world only has a voice when the church is silent. And the church was silent. Too caught up in fighting, too caught up in trying to look pleasing, too caught up in, in secret to two up in work, walk, walking close to the, the, their sin line and being silent. It feels like right to me that we have not kept society close to the message that you need Jesus in your life because of sin. So much so that a it now is almost indigestible. And I've started to write and create how we need to talk differently and that we need to present the gospel differently. I believe we do. I don't believe that we should go out there and stand on a box (laughs) shouting about hell and damnation. Because actually nobody feels that anymore. When Paul wrote these words, he was to a society that understood the need to follow God. Gods. And if they did good by the gods, he would bless them. And if they did bad by the gods, he would get them. Imagine this wonderful message of the gospel. That people who understood that they were there to serve God. The problem is, society believes God is there to serve them. Yes, we use different language. Yes, we express it differently. But we need to find a way not to lose the message that people need Jesus in their lives because He is their salvation. He is their salvation. And maybe we don't need to create nice, powerful ways. Listen to this Mark 13 and 5. I had to stop the way it was going, because I was undoing the whole point, and God led me to this. Jesus replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. The end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against in the same trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking with the Holy Spirit. A brother will betray a brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Children will rebel against the pains and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because you are my father. For the one who endures to the end will be saved. You know, one of you hated I don't want to be hated. I don't want to be hated. But this uncomfortable book tells me that if I live a life that Jesus has called, for me, called to live, I will be hated. Maybe we stop trying to fit in. Maybe we stop trying to look like everybody else. And maybe we be willing to be hated. I don't know what some of this looks like in practice. I'm not suggesting we go about whipping ourselves. The end is nigh. But we need to think about it. Because hundreds are not coming to Christ and hundreds, thousands need to. Because eternity is real. William Booth found that the salvation army gave this prophecy. The chief danger that confronts the coming of Politics without God and heaven without hell. And what is the, the gospel? The gospel is the salvation of God of Jesus Christ. Our responsibility is to look like Jesus. To so look like Jesus. When I think of the, the church of God in this nation who is going to say to people who are saying not in the Bible, if not us. Our presentation needs thought. It needs thought. We need to look like Christ. We need to know God's word. We need to be prepared to dialogue. We need to be prepared to talk. We need to be prepared to be hated. Yes, there are times when we have people around when we work hard in our place of employment when we honour our employees and people around us convicted purely because of the way we work Matthew 5 says and you will labour you will work and people will see God and Lord there are times when we simply do good live righteously and people will be convicted and there are times when we need to speak and there are times when we need White cross. He's the only way to Gracias.